Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Horror, Wine, and Crime. What's up, Lo? What's up, HWC? Back in the house. And guess what? It is still very cold in the D. It really is. I picked Charlotte up from her job and it was 14 degrees. A little bit of an improvement because at one point a few days ago, I think it was like two. (laughs) Yeah, it was like in the negatives at night. Yeah, so it's slowly going up, but I don't know that it's going to stay there. Yeah, we had two snow days. Uh, Charlotte was hoping for another no school day, but I think they're they're making them go. Well, it's not the best part of being in school. It was like getting that phone call that I like know. you didn't have to go to school, especially on just cold days because you could still go places because the roads were fine, but it was just like cold out. Oh, no. When I had my snow days, I just wanted to stay in my jammies and like hang out. I mean, I guess when I was really little, it would go play in the snow with my friends down the street, you know? But, yeah. Um, nope. Charlotte's like, I'm picking up extra shifts. I'm going into work. I'm like, girl, it's for a her. snow day. She's like, yeah. yeah. She's like, I got money moves. I'm like, okay. Okay. You hey, she's, she's going to be a, a money maker then because she seems like a, a good worker. Because me, on the other hand, if I had a snow day, I'd be like, yeah, no, I'm chilling at home. I know. Yeah. If I had a snow day, I'd call in. If I had, and I had a job, I'd call into work and be like, the roads, I just can't do it. Could you imagine if you called in tomorrow? <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I can't I work come into work. I can't get my car out of the garage. Yeah, I can't use that excuse anymore. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that'd be funny. They should just give you the day off just on principle, just because you tried it. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be really funny. They're like, um, you work from home. <laughs> like, yeah, but I, I but- still tried. <laughs> My water's taken an extra, like, two minutes to warm up, so um, it's making it hard for me to make coffee. I'm not going to be able to come in today. <laughs> or it's like, I'm going to need a, an at least two-hour delay of start today because of just how freezing it is. I can't move. <laughs> My fingers can't type today. <laughs> But yes, I don't think actually, side note, that we've shouted out Dax in the last couple episodes. I feel like we forgot. We might are have. We over it? Are we over not it? Over, not over him, but like over shouting him out because he just ignores us. <laughs> it's not working. It's, it's, not that it's, not, it's not that we're over it. We're trying a different route. We're trying to see if we can stand on our own two feet. Yeah, we don't need him. I mean, we would love love it. Like, we don't... Like this I is know. the one episode he hears. And now we have to let him <laughs> off. What's up, Dax? Dax, go listen to the other um, hundreds episodes where we show you out. I don't know. Tragic tragic life note really quick. I don't know if you can see low. <laughs> I tried to cut my own <laughs> curtain bangs. They just look so shitty. I wouldn't say they look shitty. They, you don't just have gotta, to be nice. I know that. <laughs> but anyways, guys, we can get on to today's story. So this is an unsolved case. And we're going to be talking about a teenager named Blake Chappelle. Okay, but side note, unsolved is dumb, so let's try to fix that. Yeah, we'll get to the bottom of it. So Blake Chappelle, he was 17 years old, and he was an adventurous soul. He loved riding his dirt bike. He loved skateboarding. He really just was pretty uh, spontaneous, liked to go out and do some crazy stuff. He had an infectious laugh. He was a pro at playing Guitar Hero. That was his favorite. Um, And he was just, you know, a really good, decent young man. 
Now, I got info from True Crime Diva, so shout out to her. But majority of this information will come from Just Flip the Dog. Um, and the author who uh, wrote that, he goes over like a timeline of everything. And he actually had his own interviews with police family and friends of Blake so he kind of got like more of an inside scoop um so I got a ton of the information from him as well um and he had an article also published in the Newman Times Herald so a lot of this info comes from him so Blake Tyler Chappelle he was last seen leaving his girlfriend's house early on the morning of October 16th 2011 now Kind of getting right into it, um, and then we're going to go back through the timeline as well, but so October 16th was the last time he was seen, but he was not found until two months later, and his body was pulled from the creek that runs through the Summer Grove subdivision in eastern Noonan. Now, only his clothing was a white tank top and boxer underwear so he didn't have pants or like socks or a hoodie or anything like that he was just pretty uh stripped down I guess and according to his Georgia death certificate Blake died from a gunshot to the head now the presumed date of his death is listed as 6 a.m on December 16th of 2011 Although authorities really don't really have a clear way of knowing the exact time or day just because of the length of time that his body was in the water. And like when your body, when a dead body's in water, it kind of like preserves it a little bit. So that was kind of just their guesstimate on when that he died. So investigators with the Noonan Police Department who are the ones that handle this case they will not comment on where Blake was shot or how many times. They have determined the caliber of the bullet or bullets used, but again, they won't comment on that either. Um, they will say, however, that he was shot at a close range. I'm not really sure why they won't comment on those things. I don't know if they're holding that information until, you know, they find more out and they're closer to solving the case. I know sometimes police don't like to like tell everything. They like to withhold information until they get a little bit more. So I don't know if that's why they're doing that. It could um, be one of those things where they have information, but only the killer knows to see if maybe the killer will, no pun intended, but shoot himself in the foot, you know? Right. Exactly. <laughs> I, I feel like that's probably what they're doing. Um, Cause otherwise I don't know why they, you know, wouldn't disclose that info. Um, and actually, so that was in 2011, and it was the only homicide in Noonan that entire year, which is pretty crazy for an entire year. Um, and they also had a $20,000 reward for information that would lead to the arrest. Now, investigators, they talked with more than 50 people. Many of the people they talked to were students at East Coetta High School, where Blake attended. Two potential suspects have since been cleared, and a third individual cannot be placed in the area of the time of the shooting. So they're kind of like crossing him off because, you know, kind of has a little bit of an alibi. Um, now, Blake's mom, Melissa Becker... She says, I know they're doing everything they can. Um, and Newman Police Deputy Chief Rodney Riggs, he said, we are going to solve this case. So he's like confident that this case will get solved one day. So going back to the day before, on October 15th, 2011, it was a Saturday and that night was homecoming at East Coetta High. So that afternoon, Melissa drove her son to Kohl's to pick out a tie for the dance. Um, 
you know, just to get ready for everything. She waited in the parking lot and inside Blake was texting photos of different tie options to his girlfriend, uh, you know, so that they could match. He wanted to pick one that matched her dress. Um, her name was Rian Cameron. Blake's mom, Melissa, she recalled how Blake had to get a clerk to help him tie his tie um, because he didn't really know how. And after he got his tie, he got checked out and everything. Melissa drove him over to his girlfriend Rion's house, which was located on Avondale Circle in the parks of Olmsted subdivision next to Welch Elementary School. So pretty typical day, you know, before a dance, I feel like I feel like a lot of guys probably do that like last minute, go get their tie or the dance that day. You know what I mean? Um, so everything seemed to be normal. Um, and then around 5.30 p.m., um, Rian's mom, Shannon Cameron, she drove her daughter and Blake to Tokyo's off Newman Crossing bypass uh, for dinner. Rian said he was the only boyfriend I had who loved sushi. I love sushi. So Shannon picked them up around 7 and drove them to the dance at East Coetta after they went out to eat for their sushi. Blake was wearing black pants and black Ralph Lauren shoes with RL in white lettering on the side, a white tank top, and over that a brand new Fruit of the Loom white t-shirt. And then topping it off was a button-up black shirt and the tie that he and Rian picked out. Rian says, we danced a lot. Blake got really sweaty and took off his black shirt and tie. They danced so much. They hung out with friends. You know, they were just having a good time. There's a photo of Rian, Blake, and their best friends, Colby Huddleston, and his date, Alasia Matznik. Um, they were all standing side by side. And apparently that photo is on a lot of Facebook pages. Um, in memorial for Blake. So that photo is kind of circulated around a lot. So they were basically just having a normal night at the dance. Nothing crazy happened. Nothing was going on that seemed out of the ordinary. So typical around 1030, the dance ends. Um, and then Rian's mom, Shannon, came and picked them up. They then went back to Rian's house and they watched a movie. Shannon remembered that Blake sat on the floor saying that he was really hot and sweaty just from dancing all night. Um, and Blake had taken off his black shirt and he left it in the kitchen. And then later, Shannon would give that shirt back to Melissa. About an hour later, Shannon drove Blake to Austin Harmon's house which was on the west side of Summer Grove on Highwoods Parkway where Blake was spending the night. So once he was there, Blake used the house phone to call his mom um, because his phone, which he had only gotten a week before, I guess it only had like a text messaging plan. Um, so he couldn't make any calls except for 911, which is kind of odd. I didn't know that that was even an option, but I guess... That's why he called from the house phone. So Melissa kind of goes over the phone call that she had with Blake once he got to his friend's house. She says, I asked him how it went, and he said it was awesome. I had the best day of my life. We danced all night. Melissa says, we had never really firmed up that Blake could stay at Austin's until then. She said, I told him he could stay the night, but not to leave the house. He called me mama and said, I love you and we'll call you tomorrow. Which is just so sad to hear. Like the author even says that he was interviewing Melissa and while he was interviewing her, they were in a church parking lot. And he says at this point when she's like telling the story and she's at this moment, he was sitting next to her in her red pickup truck and she just kind of broke down at this point because after that sweet phone call that she had with her son she had never heard from him again so the author kind of says like 
you know, he alludes to the fact that this is a cold case because it is still unsolved. Um, and Noonan police kind of are still trying to figure it out. They don't really like using this term. Um, the police investigators said, we don't like giving up and this is not a case where we're going to give up. Um, and Lieutenant Tate Washington, who heads up the department's criminal division, says, I don't like the term cold case. That implies that it's sitting on a shelf somewhere. And this is an active case that he stressed. Which I get, but once it's been so much time, I feel like that's kind of just like a normal like phrase to refer to it as. You know what I mean? Yeah. So D- Detective Brent Blankenship, he is heading up the investigation He brings in a large three-ring black binder in this interview. It's close to like six six inches thick and um, just ginormous. And it's Blake's case file. He says, every time we get a lead, we follow it up. We are not closing any door. Deputy Chief, Chief Riggs said that they are confident that they have eliminated two individuals as suspects. Um, And then the third suspect can't be placed in Coweta County at the time of the killing. So they're not going to release the names of those individuals because they're pretty much crossed them out. They also will only say the caliber gun used was between a .22 and a .45. Um, But they did say that the weapon was not a shotgun. Riggs said there is nothing from the autopsy to indicate there were any other injuries other than the gunshot wounds. So going back to the timeline a little bit, after calling his mom, Blake and Austin, they walked over to the BP gas station at the entrance to Summer Grove. They were hoping to buy some cigarettes and... um kind of get away with it because they were both underage at the time but the store was closed when they got there so the two of them walked back austin said that they got back to his house shortly after midnight and he said he and blake texted some friends and just hung out at his house rian his girlfriend got a text about 2 a.m from blake saying that he was coming over to her house But then Rian says, I fell back asleep after that. So she got that text at 2 a.m. And then Austin said sometime between 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. on October 16th, Blake came into his room and said that he was going to go over to Rian's house. So everything's kind of adding up right now. You know, like he's with his friend. Everything seems normal. And then he texts his girlfriend at 2 a.m., but she falls asleep and he leaves his friend's house around that time. Austin recalled at that point he was wearing black pants and he had on a white t-shirt. I gave him my jacket and a house key to get back in. After he left, I went to sleep. And then he had never heard from Blake again. So... Cut to like two, two and a half hours later at around 4.30 that morning. Rian said that she woke up again and had a text from Blake saying that he was coming over. She said, he tried to scare me when he got there. He climbed through the window. I remember he was freezing. She said Blake was wearing his black pants and had one of his white hoodies. Based on descriptions from Austin and Rian, Blake was not wearing austin's jacket when he arrived at rion's and austin said that he never got his jacket back now melissa his mom said that blake's hoodie had the word aeropostle across it in brown letters which was not what austin had given blake to wear and rion and blake laid down on rion's bed and talked about the day They had plans to meet at 11 a.m. and hang out. She says she remembered he told me he loved me and no matter whatever happened to him, he would always love me. Which, just pausing at that, it's kind of like weird to say that. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're no. just they're just hanging out and then this is like the moment pretty much before he goes missing and he says no matter whatever happens to me I'll always love you. Like that's kind of like a deep thing to say especially when somebody just randomly gets murdered that night, you know? Yeah. Um I heard some of the story before. Okay. And I don't know how much, like, because I know you're still going into it, but there is a little bit of a beginning part of why they moved to the city. Okay. Um. So I won't go into, like, all the, I'll try to do cliff notes. Um, his first girlfriend wanted to run away with Blake and Blake was like, you can't stay here. Cause he was 17. His girlfriend was 16 mm-hmm. and he could get in trouble. And there was some kind of something with that. Well, the girlfriend's stepdad came and beat the shit out of him. And he actually, Blake ended up spending 16 days in jail Mm-hmm. Um, for a contorting, they call it kin, contorting or kin, just some word that they called it. Um, basically, because she was a minor and he was considered right. an adult. Um, but the cops in that city did nothing. They they wouldn't even let Melissa go into the interrogation room. They said, "No, he's seventeen. This won't take long. You must you wouldn't let him there." So they took him, brought him back. And they basically dropped the ball. They didn't do nothing. They let this guy basically just get away with it. So they moved. And this guy even, the stepdad even stalked them in the city by putting big, like, lights through their window and just torturing them. So that being said, that could be why he's always looking over his shoulder. Right. If he's just always nervous that this guy's going to show up. She still thinks that that stepdad had something to do with it. Yeah. Because yeah. it was, and, and there was witnesses that seen him do it, that knew he was walking around the neighborhood looking for Blake, knew they beat the shit out of him, but either nobody would come forward or the police for some reason was just turning a blind eye to even kind of just like that was right there. blowing it off. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, but that's a little bit of, I guess, the prequel. <laughs> right yeah so that would make sense obviously then if he is just kind of always on alert thinking who knows like what this guy's gonna do to me yeah because they even moved counties or cities in the middle of the night and this guy for whatever reason um couldn't let it go about his stepdaughter and and still kept like going after him yeah so and and from what i heard and um, that this Blake kid, like he was a hard worker. He he was like a he would sell monsters and do it just like a couple cents more just to make money. And then he'd collect all the tabs off of them, and he ended up getting a dirt bike from all the tabs. Yeah, um, and he was helping his mom with money because it was just them two, so they pretty much had nothing. Um, so he was he was very humble and very like a very good kid outside normal teenage stuff, you know, but like he worked hard, had a good head on his shoulders. He was not a huge mischief trying to get in trouble kid. So for him to just disappear or run away or do anything sketchy is just hard for people to believe. Right. Would just be like out of the ordinary. Yeah. Yeah. And I know he kind of talks about that a little bit. Um, uh, the author and everything um because he had interviewed his mom and she kind of goes over it too like the whole thing with his ex-girlfriend and like going to jail and everything okay. so that would make sense too like like what you said like why he's kind of maybe just always cautious or whatever or always well i hope about- it didn't ruin the end of your story then if you go back into it i just didn't know oh no that's okay from what you're i was just trying to say oh maybe she didn't hear that part um and it were talked about like the first girlfriend. Oh yeah, no. I mean, and that makes sense with this cuz you know, I was thinking, you know, it is weird that he said that, but that totally makes sense. I didn't even think about it that way. So yeah, they're 
they're like laying there and he's about you know about to head out and he said that to her and right after that Rian's grandmother walked in the room um she says i remember blake trying to hide under the covers um she says my grandmother said that he was going to get my mom and walked out and blake asked me if i wanted him to go and i said yes so he kissed her and then he started to go out the window so then right at that moment when he's like getting out of the window shannon walks in rion's room and she was not happy um and at this point it was around 5 a.m which you're already caught bro so like you might as well i know just... like <laughs> you're gonna have to face her at some point at this point i probably would have been like all right let me just call my mom and have her come get me like right and then it's like sad because then it's like oh man he should have just done that you know but yeah, so after he leaves, Blake starts sending texts to Rion saying that he was really sorry. Um, and then he said to tell her mom that he was sorry. Um, and like he was basically just repeating in every single text that he was so sorry. So the text continued with Shannon and Rion both texting Blake on Rion's phone. And at some point, Shannon said that she started texting Blake on her phone, telling him that everything would be okay. Like, you know basically like I, yeah i was mad and upset but like it's fine like don't like i'm not gonna like freak out on you so shortly before 5 30 a.m blake sent a text to rion's phone and according to rion uh blake said a cop was pulling him over and he mentioned to her that he was near uh, a bridge now, Blake was not familiar with the Summer Grove area and the common consensus among police and friends is that Blake was kind of just walking along Lower uh, Fayetteville Road, which would just basically be the easiest way for him to get back to Austin's house. And a few minutes later, Blake texted back saying the cop looked at his ID, asked him where he was going, and then let him go. Now, Detective Riggs said that there is absolutely no record of any law enforcement officer stopping Blake that morning. He says, we have talked with the Georgia State Patrol, the Coetta County Sheriff's Office, and other agencies, and there is no record of that. It is standard procedure for any officer to call in when they make a stop, and it's standard procedure to ask for identification. Uh, he says, but we cannot find anything. Which is weird, because then you think, okay, was he actually stopped by a police officer? Did he make that up? Or did this police officer just not, like, make a report about it because he just thought it was not a big deal or something? I don't know. I think maybe it was someone saying he was a cop but wasn't. Or it right. was a off-duty officer who knew not to do certain steps so he wouldn't have to do the paperwork so it wouldn't be on record like he knew his right limits. yeah that's true because so, i gotta imagine everything in a cop car is recorded like everything you yeah do. and i don't know if it i mean because yeah 2011 was a while ago but i i feel like they would still have like like the um like the dash cams you know what i mean because it's mm -hmm. not like that long ago so i think it was either a cop who was taking advantage of his power or you know how sometimes like cop cars they go to like auctions when they're done using them and people keep that like they end up using them for civilian cars they oh just take yes them. yeah so they so could have just been posing it could have looked like a cop car like with the little big flashing light on the side the right. spotlight and, you know because you know how many times there's a like a suv behind me with the big spotlight or whatever and i'm like oh my god and i'm driving so carefully and then it goes around me and it's like a black not a cop floor, and i'm like yeah okay it's an old cop car <laughs> right yeah there are so many of those on the road and like if this kid you know he's 17 it's dark it's like super early in the morning he's been up my gosh, for probably close to 24 hours, 
he's probably not paying that close attention. And if he thinks that he's like being stopped, he's just going to like not think twice about it, I'm sure. So again, at around 530, Blake texted something to Rion uh, along the lines of, damn, it's cold out here. And that was his last message. She says, I should have just gotten in the car and gone and picked him up. Uh, and that was Shannon that said that. Um, and then Melissa says at that point, and she, when she's talking about this moment, she starts tearing up again. And she says that I should not have let him leave. But it's like, it's so sad because like, you don't think that that's going to happen. Like you don't know that that's going to happen so like she can't blame herself but at the same time I totally get it because if I was a mom and that happened I probably would be like oh if I just didn't let him go mm -hmm. this wouldn't have happened so about the only things that are certain in this case are that Blake was killed and that his body was pulled from the creek running through Summer Grove on December 19th, 2011, where the coroner pronounced him dead. Noonan investigators have retraced various paths that Blake could have taken from the time that he left Rion's house, supposedly headed back to Austin's. There are two main paths. They say that one is along lower Fayetteville Road and the other is along Summer Grove Parkway. The common like idea and consensus, consensus between family and friends that they think he took was the lower Fayetteville route because he wouldn't have known how to get back if he took Summer Grove Parkway. Um, so yeah, like he was new to the area so they think that he would have been more familiar with that route. Because that route would take him out of Avondale Circle to Mary Freeman Road. Um, he would have then turned west onto Lower Fayetteville Road until he hit the main entrance to Summer Grove. And the distance between the two houses is three miles. So it's really not like that crazy, you know, of a distance. But still, like when you're walking, when you're super unfamiliar with an area... It's really early in the morning. You've been out all night. You're exhausted. And you're just walking. And walk three miles. Yeah, and it's cold. Like, it, three miles doesn't sound that crazy, but really when you put in all the other factors, like, it, it would be, it would feel like a long walk. <laughs> so, investigators believe, based on various walking speeds from Rion's house, that Blake was somewhere in the vicinity of the creek that runs beneath those two parallel roads when he sent his last text. They say it appears that he was assaulted in the general area where he was found. The crime lab cannot determine the exact time of death, but generally we believe that the death occurred on October 16th. And I think that they believe that because obviously nobody heard from him after that last text so they're thinking okay well he probably that's probably when he was killed so at night the area along lower Fayetteville in question is very very dark um, and a lot of trees a lot of bushes in that area that come almost up to the roadway so if somebody was hiding there or something, it would be very easy for him not to see. Or if they pulled him into there, it would be very easy for cars not to see him because it's just so dark and like filled with trees and bushes. And since the beginning of the investigation, authorities have wrestled with one key question. How would anyone know where Blake was at that particular time? And Riggs, the detective, says that's the question that we've been dealing with since day one. No one knew what path he was going to take and when he would be where he was. Which is so true because it's like, 
his night was so chaotic and like unplanned and he had so many different stops that he wasn't like planning for that it's like how if someone was planning to kill him how would they know where he was even at they would have been stalking him all day right like that has to be the only explanation which is even like bone chilling anyway to know that he's just been followed and watched all day throughout the day just waiting for their moment because he was first he was at Kohl's with his mom what are you going to do take him out in the middle of Kohl's I don't think Mm -hmm. so and then the dance there's people all over the dance and then you know his friend's house and um so I feel like this was just and then if he went through back roads you know or through woods or through trails or you know whatever um that was their their moment no houses no suburbs no nothing yeah i mean that has to be because I mean, a gunshot you're gonna hear biggest, it, you know yeah like the biggest explanation because nothing else really adds up aside from that and police they pulled the messages of everyone who was in contact with blake during the last hours of his life They haven't found anything that answers that question. So it's not like he was texting other people about where he was at. They also determined the only text that Blake sent from 5 a.m. or to Rion's phone. So, like, she was the only one who, like, he was talking with. But he didn't even really tell her where he was at. He just mentioned, like, a bridge. And that was, like, about it. And, you know, she can't, like, relay the info on where he's at to anybody. So police say that that leaves open the possibility that the killing was random, you know, that Blake might have been the victim of some robbery gone wrong uh, involving a stranger. But that scenario doesn't really sit well with his family and friends. Melissa, Shannon, and other family members were very adamant that someone who knew Blake was involved. They were like, this was not random. This was not a robbery gone wrong. Like, this was somebody that he knew. So Shannon and Rian continued to text Blake after his last message. Shannon finally went back to bed and woke up her husband, Matt Cameron, to tell him that she caught Blake in Rian's room. Uh, Apparently, he, like, rolled over half asleep and half-jokingly said, damn teenagers, and then went back to bed. So, he had a very different reaction than the other girl's dad. (laughs) Um, So, it's been, like, an hour, and it's, like, 6.30 in the morning now. And it's, so it's Sunday morning. Shannon went into Rion's room to see if Blake had contacted her, and he had not. She finally told Rion around 9.30 a.m. to contact Austin to see if Blake was there, like if he ever got back to his house. Now, Austin remembers being woken up by his mom around 9 a.m. He says, I kind of went back to sleep and then Rion texted me around 9.30 a.m., he said. Austin said he looked around the house and he couldn't find Blake. He texted Rion back. And at that point, Shannon and Rion were like freaked out because he wasn't at Austin's house so they jumped in the car and they drove over to Austin's house so they drove for about 45 minutes just driving around trying to like figure out where Blake was but they didn't see any sign of Blake Shannon also called her husband Matt and told him that Blake was missing Matt had left around 8 a.m. to pick up a friend and the two were headed to Heard Counting where they had leased some hunting land. Uh, she, Shannon says he went down to set up his stands and get things ready for the upcoming season. He doesn't bow hunt, so his season hadn't even opened yet. Had he been down there with a gun, he could have lost his lease and his hunting license. Um, he was home with us until he left. So I don't know if that was her like trying to cover his tracks, to be like, he didn't do it. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, from then on, the search just expanded and more and more people were trying to figure out where Blake was. 
clerk at the BP station in Summer Grove was shown a photo of Blake and told Rion that he saw Blake earlier that morning around 7.30 a.m. Blake asked when the store opened and the clerk told him 8 a.m. Blake left in an unknown direction. I'm like, oh my goodness. Why is Blake just still wandering around at like, you know, 7.30 in the morning? He's just been like walking for hours. And also, I, I don't know if he was headed back to Austin's house after the BP because they tried to go to BP way earlier that night. And so he obviously knew where BP was to Austin's house. But there were some other sightings, according to friends, that were out looking for him. Um, it included the quick trip on Highway 34 and also sitting outside at a place called Buster's on Noonan Station Drive. But police investigators, they don't really believe those individuals mentioned were Blake. They kind of think, okay, maybe these people just think it looked like Blake but they don't think that it actually was him. Shannon's husband, Matt Cameron, got back around 11 a.m. and began walking around the woods and trails in the area looking for Blake. He met up with Austin, who had been dropped off by Shannon earlier, and the two were just scouring the area. A little after 11, Austin flagged down a passing Noonan police patrol car and told them that Blake was missing. The officer called Melissa around 11.30 a.m. and told her to file a missing person report. The search continued with more friends joining in throughout the day. Melissa said that for some reason she believed she just needed to stay by the phone, but her boyfriend went out and joined the search. Now, Chris Ripley, who was Blake's half-brother, he got a call from their mom, Melissa, a couple days later um, Chris says she said that he was missing, who uh, he has left home before, apparently, but he always let someone know where he was. Um, and his brother Chris was living in Texas at the time. So apparently um, Blake has like left home before, but he was like good about keeping people updated on where he was. And Chris says he would always tell me what he was up to. I started making some calls, but I just couldn't get anywhere. Uh, but as Thanksgiving approached, I began to think something was wrong. He had never been out of contact for that long. And at the time of Blake's disappearance, police suspected that there were some personal issues and Blake, for whatever reason, just decided to take off. Rion even says, I thought he had just decided to run away. I don't know why. Rianne said she knew about Blake's upcoming court date in Clayton County. She says, we talked about it, but he didn't seem too worried about it. I was going to go with him. Melissa also mentioned the court date, saying that she and Blake had discussed it. She says, I thought maybe in the back of my mind that Blake just had run off. Maybe he was more worried about it than he let on. So they were kind of just thinking maybe he just ran away because he was scared of his court case coming up. Now, kind of going back to what you said, Lo, um, to go over that, which this happened in early summer of 2011. Blake was briefly living in Clayton County at the time um, in the Hunter Ridge Trailer Park in Jonesboro. He was dating another girl at that time, and that girl, she was 16, um, and they don't. Uh, really release her name she doesn't really want her name out there uh, now apparently in May of 2011 she ran away from home and she went to Blake her mother and her stepfather went out to look for her and according to a May 28th 2011 Clayton County police supplemental report police responded to a disturbance call at the park once they were there, they met Blake, who told them that he had been hit in the face, thrown to the ground, and then kicked twice more in the face. Blake was about 5'8", and he weighed about 120 pounds. 
A witness said that the suspect, the girlfriend's stepfather, went up to him and asked him uh, asked where Blake was. And according to the report, the suspect then lifted his shirt, showing a handgun, and said, tell him I'm looking for him. And then he left with an unknown male. Clayton officers stated in the report that witnesses said the stepfather then grabbed his stepdaughter and put her in the trunk of the vehicle that he arrived in and drove off. Like, put her in the trunk, which is crazy. <laughs> like, this man's out of his mind. He, he has little anger issues. Yeah, I'd say. So the then girlfriend said she was not thrown in the trunk of the vehicle, uh, although the rest of the police report was accurate. So I don't know if she was just scared. Like, maybe he said, you better tell them I didn't throw you in the trunk. But if witnesses saw it, I mean. Yeah, and, like, clearly this guy was, like, a little uh, angry at the moment. I think that it's weird that everything else was accurate except for that one detail. But it was unclear what happened after that because, you know, Blake and the girlfriend, they broke up. They didn't continue seeing each other. Um, but on July 1st, a warrant was issued by Clayton County Police against Blake for interfering with custody. Uh, but I'm kind of like, why was there not <laughs> a warrant for this guy who beat him up? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's kind of like the... It's like assault. Yeah, and instead they're worried about him dating a chick that's one year younger than him. Yeah, that's ridiculous. So, yeah, Blake was, he was 17. He was considered an adult in the eyes of the law. Uh, but his then-girlfriend, like we said, she was a minor. She was 16, so she was literally one year younger than him, which is crazy. So he was booked in the Clayton County Jail on June 2nd. He spent 16 days in jail trying to raise bond and was finally released on a $2,500 signature bond on June 18th. Pre-trial and related court matters occurred with a final court date that was set for October 24th, 2011 in Clayton County Superior Court. So on that date, Blake's case was no processed in court, uh, which a legal term that basically means that the prosecution decided to drop the case. Um, apparently, the prosecutor spoke to the girlfriend and she said that she had run away. Like she she admitted that she was the one that ran to him. It's not like he took her or anything like that. Um, so they did decide to just drop it. She said that Blake encouraged her to go back home because Blake was trying to help, trying to do the right thing, and the girlfriend did not want to continue. Uh, so that's why they decided to drop the case. Now, Blake's mom, Melissa, said that she did receive a phone call from Blake's attorney and said that the stepfather told the judge he would drop the case provided he never saw Blake again. So apparently the stepfather kind of helped getting not helped but like agreed to the case being dropped as long as Blake stayed away from his stepdaughter and him now a lot of attempts to reach that stepfather have unfortunately been unsuccessful um there's a number that's listed on court documents but a man apparently answers that number and says that there's no one by that name at that residence. Um, and then another number that was listed was disconnected. Um, and the author says that he tried to send a Facebook message requesting an interview that was sent to his wife, but that was never answered. So they're basically, I'm assuming this stepfather changed all of his numbers when this was going on and like kind of just fell off because he wanted nothing to do with it. It, you know, you want any questioned. heat on him or yeah. suspicions or. Now, Blake, who was supposed to be in court that October 24th, obviously did not show up because at that point he was missing. Or at that point, I guess, no, he was found um, dead, but. 
that was on December 19th is when authorities swarmed the Summer Grove Parkway and they found a decomposing body south of the roadways bridge in the creek below with people walking by. Shannon and her family had just spent an early Christmas with her relatives. She was coming back from the grocery store. She says, for some reason, I decided to take the parkway and it was completely blocked off, she remembered. Something in my heart just knew. Later that night, the police called asking Shannon what Blake was wearing when he left their house on October 16th. Melissa called Chris, Blake's half-brother, the next day. She said the police were pretty sure that they had found Blake. I flew into Noonan on the 21st, and I hadn't seen him in a year, and finally I was going to get to, but it was going to be his funeral. Now, in a press release that was issued on December 22nd, the police department said, based on jewelry found on the body and a particular tattoo, the person has been identified as Blake Tyler Chappelle. 17-year-old from Sonoma, Georgia. His body was found floating face down, clothed only in a t-shirt and boxers. The statement continued, an examination of the body revealed that the cause of death was a gunshot wound. Rian said, I just sat down. I couldn't cry. It didn't feel real. I couldn't even think. I didn't know what to do. Rian said that for some reason... About four or five days before Blake's body was found, she just stopped eating like she just couldn't. And Shannon recalled how on weekends, Rian and she would just drive around and look for Blake. She said it was the not knowing, the worrying that was the hardest part. Rian said it was around Thanksgiving that she started getting over Blake's disappearance. She said, I was mad. I was livid. I thought that he had just left me. Because in the beginning, she said that she thought that he just ran away. She didn't think that, like, anything happened to him. So I think she was just kind of, at that point, resentful because she thought that he just, like, dipped on her. Yeah. Well, she's probably flooded with mixed emotions. Like, you having no answers is the worst. So you're your own worst enemy because now you're just thinking of every worst-case scenario. Right. Yeah, because it's like, what do you even think when that happens? So over the next few days, the investigation went into overdrive. The city of Noonan offered a $20,000 reward for any information, um, the highest ever, I guess, that they had ever given out. And Deputy Chief Riggs said investigators got, you know, decent leads from callers, adding that they seemed more interested in helping to solve the case than the money. So he said that was kind of a positive that people actually just cared about figuring out who did this. He says there was a general interest in helping finding who did this, um, but to this date, authorities have not found any of the clothes that Blake was wearing when he left Rian's house um, that morning in October. Lieutenant Washington said, we have combed and searched the creek for hundreds of yards in each direction, and we have not come up with anything. It's so odd to me that his clothes were missing like did the person who killed him take his like why would they make him take his clothes off like that's so weird to me well one we don't know how long they were holding him for right they've been holding him captive whatever two i feel like it was almost like a they killed him but it was almost like what do they call it like uh they left him vulnerable. They left him like uh kind of just to make him feel worse. Yeah, like embarrassed. I'm you're gonna die, but I'm gonna make you lay here embarrassed in your underwear. I don't yeah. know how uh, the word I'm looking for, but it's more of a like an intimidation factor or whatever. Yeah, just more of a shitty way to leave him. Yeah. So investigators they also have not been able to locate Blake's backpack, which he left at Austin's house, uh, where he was supposed to spend the night. 
Melissa said that the backpack contained deodorant, cologne, a pocket knife, the white hoodie that Rion said he wore over that night, and his phone charger. I think it's weird, though, that they can't find the backpack, but he left it at Austin's house. Like, did Austin do something with it? Like, I don't understand that. Yeah, I don't know. Melissa said he never went anywhere without his phone charger and a knife. I remember seeing that knife in his pocket when I dropped him off at Rion's and told him that he better not take that on school property. Uh, Austin said that he has been unable to find Blake's backpack. He says, we were in the middle of moving and it got put somewhere and we just can't find it. He said, I just don't know where it is. Which is super weird. The only thing Melissa has from that night is Blake's black dress shirt which he left at Rian's before initially going over to Austin's now on December 29th 2011 friends and family of Blake's gathered for a memorial service at McCoon Funeral Home on Jefferson Street in Noonan Brent Beeman, who lived on the street from Blake, he had made a video memorial of Blake, and there were lots of photos of Blake and Rion, Blake on a skateboard, Blake playing guitar hero, 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 <laughs> which, <laughs> which everyone said that he was the master at. Um, which so just sorry, I was gonna say it was a ding 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 moment because I heard that the song that he mastered was Kansas carry on or carry on your way or carry on. Okay. Yeah. And he could play it behind his back, not looking blah, blah, blah. And it was funny that they talked about that song. Cause I haven't listened to that song in forever. And then within about the last week, Charlotte's been playing it every day in my car. Oh, that's so funny. Because that she started like watching super, she started watching supernatural. Okay. And Dean, <laughs> oh my uh, talk about Dean all night. Um Lo needs a minute. <laughs> I do. He's got the car, he's got the looks, he's got the coat, he's got the music, he's got it all, dude. Um but yeah, so it was really kind of like Charlotte brought that up, that song up, because I haven't heard it in forever, and then all of a sudden it was like a big thing in this story, and then um Sorry, I'm like falling apart over here. And then there's someone else that talked about it earlier in the week too. And I'm like, dude, the song is a very big uh, sign for me right now. I don't know what it means, but that song was meant to be in my life this week. That is so weird. That's bizarre. You have to listen to it and like just take it in and be like, what is the meaning? Oh, I'm sure I hear it tomorrow when Charlotte's in the car with me again. Right? That's so uh, weird. Carry on. I just wanted to put that little ding, 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 sad moment. Yeah. That's like a big ding, ding, ding. But yeah, so they had all that um, for his memorial. um, And then on the afternoon of January 7th, Melissa and Chris attended a brief goodbye moment before Blake's body was cremated. Melissa said that there was a large box without a lid and inside was a plastic bag that contained Blake's remains and a sheer sheet was over the box. She says, Chris and I went by the side and I touched the sheet and then the plastic and then his thigh with two fingers. She said, I could feel his leg and muscles and we, and she kind of paused because she was just getting emotional at this moment. Um, Because she's just obviously talking about the moment that she's cremating her son, you know. Mm -hmm. So Melissa went back to McCoon Funeral Home and picked up Blake's ashes when they were, uh, you know, done doing them. She says, my only wish is that whoever did this, they ask God's forgiveness and repent. She said, that's what Blake would have wanted, and I have to try and forgive these people and move on. But it's so hard. Sometimes I just feel like my life is over. Oh, I get that. I mean, how do you bury your child? Yeah, I mean, like, she's in a good headspace for saying, like, you know, I just, they just need to ask for 
God's forgiveness. I hope they feel sorry and I need to like forgive them and move on. But at the same time, I get it. Like that's like the hardest thing that you can do when someone literally murdered your child. I know. Well, hopefully um, evidence and we've talked many times on this show um, about how there's new ways to find evidence and DNA. And so hopefully eventually, or somebody will come forward. I think there's even, like you said, there's a reward money out there, which is like Mm -hmm. that city, you know? Yeah. And hopefully people will just, I don't know. Someone will say something. Somebody knows something. Somebody always knows something. Always. And I'm hoping that his clothes that went missing turn up. So, cause that would be like a huge break, you know? Well, that I feel like the people took whoever killed them. Yeah. I mean, that would make the most sense. Cause if they like looked, they would have found it if it was somewhere else. Yeah. So, so ah, Jinx, you owe me a Coke. <laughs> but yeah. So, if you know something, and you can do it anonymously, you don't have to say who you are, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it would be huge, especially for Melissa. She she deserves. Man, he's a good boy. Yeah. This is a good boy, you know. Yeah, he did not. He loved his mama. Him and his mama were, you know, bestie booze. Oh, that last phone call that she said, just like made my heart so sad knowing that that was the last phone call i mean i'm glad it was like a sweet and loving last conversation yeah but it's still just like it makes it like so much more sad so we send our love to melissa and we just really pray that this gets solved one day at the very least because that's like the absolute least that she deserves Yes. Um, I don't really have any other news. Usually we try to come up with something kind of funny in the news. The only other thing I got, um, I was kind of looking into when Kay texted me to get my ass out of bed and get on the computer because we got to record. <laughs> um, I was watching a snap video and it was going on about is O.J. Simpson really Khloe Kardashian's dad? Have you never heard that before? I did, but I didn't, like, read that much into it. So I was kind of watching the video again. I was like, I'm not going to lie. They got the same nose. Like, I don't know if you ever saw the other guy. He was, like, Chris Jenner's Yeah, the lawyer that died. Oh. No, he was, like, a hairstylist or something. Okay. I thought she you meant their dad. No, no, no. Um, this is another guy that they think is her dad, but he looks they look a lot alike. So I'm think I think that he's her dad. Well, why doesn't Chloe and Jenner just go and get a DNA test and well, I think that I saw an episode once where they were getting like DNA things, but Chloe said she never wanted to open it because she's like, my dad's my dad. Like, I don't need to know, like, anything else. I get that, you know. Yeah. But I also, I would just want to know because I would still be like, he was still my dad, but, like... Yeah. But they were just saying, like, how they all look alike except for Chloe. She definitely... Yeah, she definitely looks the most different. I mean, I would not be shocked if that was true. Maybe not O.J. Simpson. I don't know about that, but, like, well, no, she says your things have happened. They did say that she had an affair too with a soccer coach or soccer dad or something. Mm-hmm. I think so. she had multiple, multiple. So she's not exactly a clean and tidy, you know. Uh uh-uh. uh. I think she knows more, but she might not say. Right. And then one last thing Did you watch the Natalia Grace update? Her no, I didn't. Okay. I didn't. I saw it on there, but I haven't watched it yet. Okay. Well, then we'll put a pin in that and maybe that'll be your homework for you got a week okay. to do it. Um, yeah. And we'll, because I want to talk about something in that. But if you haven't, what's seen that it on yet, again? Because then I saw like, it, but I can't remember. Is it Hulu? 
might be Hulu Peacock. I'm sure there's probably a couple different ones by now. Okay. Um, no, I definitely saw it though, so I'll be able to find it. But yeah, I, I watched sure. it with my mom. I happened to stop over there and uh, she had it on. And I'm just like, okay. She like went back in the room with the other guy. He's just ridiculous. Um, I feel like he's on the spectrum a little bit though. Who, her original adopted dad? No, the one that like made him made her live by herself and yeah. Yeah. Barnett. Okay. Michael Barnett. Yes. Yeah. So Yeah, no, I have to watch that. I did see it, but I just didn't get to it yet. But I will make sure I watch that so we can talk about it. I am interested in what she has to say. Okay. Yeah, I was trying to look it up to see if it says what platform. But I think you could probably just type it in and Oh yeah, it'll pop up. Uh, Max, I think it's on right now too. Okay, cool. So, all right. Well, then we'll we'll try to touch on that next week. You have one week, lady. I got you. Or, I got it. Me and the me and the creepies are moving on without you. <laughs> you guys will talk about it without me. <laughs> I'll catch up. I promise. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for taking us on a sad story. Um, Sorry about it. It's okay. It's come to expect it, you know, when we plug in our laptops and start, you know. Right. Just bring down the mood. (laughs) But, yeah, I've been feeling kind of icky today. It's that weather, the dry weather, the everything. So I'm going to log off and crawl back under my blankets. I feel that. And get ready for another work day tomorrow. day, yeah. So on that note, we got to go. Stay creepy, guys. Bye. Bye.